0: Today, our our Pentecost text uh, comes to us from Acts chapter 2, pretty much all of Acts chapter 2. This is a long one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. "'Devout men from every nation under heaven.' "'And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, "'because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. "'And they were amazed and astonished, saying, "'Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? "'How is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? "'Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, "'Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygea and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke." The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. "'Brothers, I say to you with confidence "'about the patriarch David, "'that he both died and was buried, "'and his tomb is with us to this day. "'Being therefore a prophet, "'and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him "'that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, "'he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, "'that he was not abandoned to Hades, "'nor did his flesh see corruption. "'This Jesus God raised up, "'and of that we are all witnesses. "'Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, "'and having received from the Father "'the promise of the Holy Spirit,' He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom our Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Whew. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> so today I want to take a little bit different approach to this a Pentecost message. A lot of times we focus on like the, the cool events that, that, that you could see and hear, the presence of God in that room with the, with the rushing sound of wind and the, and the flames dancing on people's heads and the ability to speak in, in tongues, and not tongues, but the ability to speak languages that you'd never studied before. I want to focus on what happens immediately after that. And I want you to know that God's truth, it cuts deeply, but it also heals completely. So God's actions on Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There are probably about 120 of them that's mentioned in Acts chapter 1, including the, the, the disciples. And although the date may have been a movable one, by New Testament times, this was typically 50 days calculated from the feast of the Passover. So we're just about a month and a half removed from that upper room experience. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. This, this roar announced to the disciples that the coming of the Holy Spirit was happening right now. That promise was happening right now in its fulfillment. But this sound also served to, to uh, kind of be a magnet for those who are in Jerusalem to hear this sound and to go towards the direction of this sound. It, it pulled people together where the disciples were gathered. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. This is is interesting because everybody shared in this, this noise as a group. But then individually, the Holy Spirit announced his presence with each one of the people in the room. It was personalized. And even better than Google Translate, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been present with God's people since the beginning of time and creation. If not for the Holy Spirit, people wouldn't be able to come to faith and believe. But never has it been poured out like this before. In this amount. This is an unprecedented deluge of the Spirit. Now, in Jerusalem, there are, are devout Jews from all over the known world. So I want you to kind of picture in my mind the Mediterranean Sea and starting with, with Rome on one side, kind of painting across Greece and Turkey and what's now you know, the, the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and, and Egypt, all this known world, all converging into Jerusalem for this feast. It's a great mission strategy. To bring people from every nation into one place to be able to hear and know the gospel spoken in their own native tongue. You can think of it as this is a, this, is a, this Pentecost is a super spreader event for the gospel. <laughs> because after being all contained in Jerusalem, they go back home carrying the same message with the rest of the world. And here's the main point of the Pentecost experience. This is the point that people from all over the world gather together and God speaks his truth that cuts deeply and heals completely. Peter has this incredible spirit-inspired sermon that he delivers. And there's this cool rhetorical device that that, that he uses. I I learned this the first time when I I was a a realtor for Century 21 and and working on closing deals and signing homes and and selling homes. But you, you get the person that you're trying to work with to agree with you. And you state several things that are just obvious known facts that they would obviously agree with. And then as you continue, you start getting them used to saying yes. And you condition them to say yes. So that when you say, would you like to buy, they say, yes. Listen to what Peter does. He does that. He says, God testified concerning him with all these signs and miracles and wonders, right? Well, yes. You, you, uh, you killed him. Yes. He was raised from the dead, yes. David said that Jesus was the path to life, the resurrection. They said yes. You mind remember Jesus did rise. They're like, yes. And then he, he kind of endears himself to them a little bit more. He, he goes from calling them men and Israelites to brothers, right? We're, we're connected. And now is when he starts to, uh, to kind of journey outside of what they're comfortable saying yes to. He said, this is now the Holy Spirit that's been poured out, this sound you've heard, the, the, the tongues of fire, the, the words that we're speaking in, in your native tongue. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. And in the hearer's minds, they're conditioned to say yes, and they've said yes to everything so far, so everything we agree with, I guess that's probably true. And then in verse 36, he closes the sale, and the hearers are cut to the heart. But the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ This Jesus, whom you crucified. And when they heard that, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And even in that statement, the Holy Spirit is in the middle of their hearts, working them to get to a place of repentance. They came face to face with the reality of their own evilness, the depth of their depravity. And Peter has the solution just like that repent and be baptized. It's easy to. It's interesting for me to note that that uh, that this mass mass explosion of faith that occurs wasn't because Peter gave this incredibly engaging, relevant, uh, funny, humorous sermon. He got straight to their sin. Allowed them to see their total brokenness and need for saving. And then he provides the means of that salvation through the gospel repent and be baptized these two different verbs one is active repent that's what we do right but we can't even do that without the work of the holy spirit convicting us helping us to see our brokenness and we repent we do what we did with our confession at the beginning of the service and then be baptized be baptized is a passive verb Right, because you, you really don't do much in baptism. But and God's the one who does all the heavy lifting. Like, like Emma was was a little bit nervous before she was baptized, but it's God doing all of it, giving that gift of forgiveness, rescue from sin, death, and the power of the devil, this salvation and everlasting life adopted into his family. That's all the work of God. This repentance. There's a, the, there's a joyful aspect to repentance because the Heavenly Father isn't, isn't waiting for you to repent with a scowl on his face, disappointment in his eyes. His arms are outstretched with a loving smile just ready to receive you into his grace. He delights in forgiving you. Repentance is, involves genuine sorrow for what we've done wrong. It's a gift of God. So those who were received his word were baptized, and there were about 3,000 souls added that day. And there's this, it's this great story of the birth of the church. It's the birthday of the church. We're here today because of Pentecost. But I really pray, it's been my prayer all week long, that this would be more than just a day to remember a Pentecost long ago, but the opportunity to experience it ourselves not with the the audible rushing of wind or the the visible flame or even me speaking other languages because that's not going to happen to my knowledge. But that we would be cut to the heart as those devout believers, Jews from all over the place, in love with Yahweh, very religious, almost sounds like they're Lutheran. (laughs) But they were cut to the heart that day been my prayer that you would be cut to the heart this morning. I was cut to to the heart probably the deepest in my life when I was at the end of addiction and beginning of recovery, face to face with the guilt of all the pain that I had caused, the damage that I had done. Others shared with me this past week of, of times where they were cut to the heart. Sometime when they they thought that they were really right about something and then shown that they were absolutely in the wrong. Or parenting fails when we see that we have, not not intentionally, but when we have caused hurt to our children. Maybe some of you don't feel like you're struggling with sin or guilt. I'm going to suggest that maybe that's a hardening of a heart. How do we deal with that? Well, the truth of God needs to pierce that hardened heart. What are you hiding today? What's in your spiritual closet? What is it that you fear that your loved ones would find out? Or perhaps they already have. What is that secret sin lurking in the corner of your heart? It's no surprise to God. He knows exactly what it is. From the moment we were born, we were poor, miserable sinners. Jesus deepens our understanding of the Ten Commandments. He says, you know, you're not supposed to murder, but I'm telling you this. If you hate your brother, you are guilty of murder. And maybe you haven't had affairs with other people. Maybe you haven't had relationships with with people who, who weren't your spouse. But I tell you this, if you look at somebody lustfully, you are an adulterer. You see, if you just break the smallest amount of the law, you're guilty of breaking all of it. And there's not one person in this room, myself included, who is not a sinner. And as I mentioned earlier, there is a cost to our sin. And and not not just the natural consequences that happen because of our mistakes, but there is an eternal consequence for our sin its removal from the presence of god for eternity it's death consider this it was it was your sin it was my sin that jesus took to the cross god's truth cuts deeply but thanks be to god that his truth cures completely the truth of gospel is poured into our hurting souls like water hitting a dry sponge, slowly soaking it in till it's full. This is a tangible grace, a grace that's so real we can see it or touch it or taste it. The grace that was, was poured out in the water over Emma's head this morning. The grace that we'll experience when we receive the bread and the wine, the very body and blood, real presence of Jesus Christ, the fruit of his sacrifice, absolution words. To hear Jesus say, I forgive you. These are about new beginnings. An empowered life. Not having to hide from God or anyone else. Surrendering control to God. Which can be so hard, but it feels so amazing. To know that that we don't have to have worry for our destiny. That our eternity is signed, sealed, and delivered. God's truth cuts deeply and cures completely. Completely. I wanna challenge you to have a Pentecost-type moment right now. I'm gonna ask some questions, and if the answer is yes, then you say, resounding. (laughs) So here's a challenge to the men in the room. Let's be spiritual leaders and and take the charge on this and let let our families join in together with us. Do you recognize that you were born sinful? Do you admit that you said things this week to someone that hurt them, or, or perhaps behind their backs, with gossip or slander? Do you admit that you, you, some of your actions that were done in public or in private fell short of God's perfect standard? Do you acknowledge that you failed to do all the good things that you were supposed to do, that you didn't love God or one another with perfection? Have you ever struggled with any of these anger, pride, lust, self righteousness, greed, selfishness, worry, anxiety, doubt, fear any of them ever? Do you believe that anyone guilty of breaking even the smallest part of God's law is guilty of breaking all of it? Are you sorry for your sin? Do you seek God's help to change, improve, start living more and more Christ-like? Me too. Do you believe that Jesus is the Father's plan to save the world? Do you believe that on the cross, Jesus' death paid the price for your sin? Do you believe that the grace of God washes you clean from this every stain of sin? Do you believe that you share in Jesus' death and resurrection? Do you believe that he has gone to prepare a place for you? Do you believe that Jesus commanded me to speak his words of grace to you on his behalf? As a called and ordained servant of the word, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I speak his words to you. I forgive you of all your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.